Hey, fellow traveler, welcome to the Third Eye Awakening podcast, a show where we talk all about spiritual and psychic awakening, magic, the shift from 3D to 5D, star seeds, ascension, multiple timelines, multiple dimensions, the universe, the multiverse, the Akashic records, all the good things. I am your host, Amy Blair, and I'm so glad to have you here with me today. Okay, let's do this. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Third Eye Awakening. I'm so excited to invite Mike to the podcast today to talk to us about energy work, developing extrasensory perception with touch and sight, working on the chakras, using and manipulating the energies of the body. So Mike Aho has done and developed skills related to energy work for the past 11 years. And he's going to share with us some of the cool things that he's learned along the way. Welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Will you tell us a little bit about, you know, a little bit more about yourself, like where you are, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to give us your hometown if you don't want, but just (laughs) generally where in the world you are and kind of what has brought you here to this place of energy work? Well, it all started when I was younger. I was pretty intuitive. I could kind of get things without knowing where it came from. So that kind of kind of guided me in a certain direction to look into things. Then when I was 18, I was really into spirituality. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know much about it, but I was into it. So I went ahead and I listened to uh, Robert Bruce, who's a pioneer with astral projection. I listened to him on Coast to Coast AM with Jordan Norrie. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was doing an energy work exercise on there on the pot on the radio show. I followed along and I actually felt something the first time. And I was like, oh, my God, this is real. This stuff is actually real because I was skeptical. You know, you got to keep a skeptic mind and protect yourself from what might be out there. But from there on, I did a deep dive into energy work. I, man- I uh, manipulate the energies of the body. I've been doing it for the past 11 years, like you had mentioned. I have, you know, a lot of techniques that I'd like to share and kind of some background information, if you wouldn't mind. No, absolutely. That sounds amazing. What would you like to start with? All right. So we should start with the chakra system. So we kind of have a grounding place to start. So the chakra system goes like this. The root chakra is red. It is located between your genitals and, you know, your butt. It's the color red. It goes up and down. So when you're moving energy, you want to go out, outward, not inward. You always want to go outward when you practice energy work. The reason for this is you're getting rid of all the gunk, all the toxins, all the stuff you've accumulated throughout your lifetime. And then the chakra will heal itself naturally and take. So what do you mean by outwards? You always want to go outwards. All right. So one of the techniques I have is moving energy manually. Mm -hmm. What you do for that technique is you do a series of contractions. Yep. So you're doing contractions right at the base, right at the, you want to go outward. So it's right at the top of the skin. You want to do contractions outward. 
like oh, like blowing a bubble or like have it when women have babies. Uh, okay, gotcha. So so rather than pu- I get what you mean now. So rather than pulling energy up into that center, you're pushing outward. So the the technical term for that place between your genitals and your butthole is your perineum. And so when you're sort of doing these contractions, you're putting pressure that moves outward into that area. Exactly. And you want to do this because right on the surface layer, you don't want to go in really deep because energy flows like a river. Once you break down the dam, that's when all the energy can flow out. So it's important to do it at the front of the energy center, so to speak. Okay, that's interesting. So you can do it in repetitions. I usually run about 30 reps of that when I'm going through the chakras. Now, moving on to the sacral plexus chakra, that's right at the pubic line. The color for that one is orange. Those go outward. So they go forward and backward as opposed to up and down. The only chakras that go up and down are the uh, root and the crown. Okay. All the other chakras of the body, you want out and in. You want to move outward and push outward. So So that, oh, go ahead. So do those ones move more horizontally then? Yep, exactly. Okay, okay, cool. So that is the second chakra. The third chakra is the solar plexus. It's the color yellow. It's right above your belly button. And that's another chakra you want to push outward, outward. And then the next chakra is the heart chakra. It's the color green. And it is right below your sternum. For me, personally, I've seen psychics and I've, you know, had some sessions done before. I know that my my heart chakra is a little lower. It's pretty close to my solar plexus for some reason, just kind of a fun fact. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and then the throat chakra is the color blue. It's right at the man's Adam's apple. It's right there at your throat. And that again goes, you know, out. You want to push out. Then the third eye is at the pineal gland. There's a lot of toss up whether the pineal gland or the Uh, yeah but I think the pineal gland is the third eye chakra so for that you want to actually go inside into the center of your head when you're doing contractions not on the surface area of where the skin is okay and breathing is something that's important one thing you can do is you can choose not to breathe so you can magnify the sensations you're having while performing the energy work or you can breathe slowly or you can just breathe normally What I would say is if you can't hold your breath while you practice, just breathe kind of slowly. Because again, you're trying to get the most sensations you can from practicing the chakra. So sometimes you need to restrict breathing, but you can choose to breathe if you want to, and you're just going to get a more optimal result if you're breathing slow or not at all. Then the crown chakra is all around your head. It is kind of above your ears and it goes all around your head. That one, you want to push up. You don't want to go down on this one, especially. You want to push up because you want to release things out, release things out so that it can heal naturally, and then you'll build more positive energy. So that is moving energy manually. There is also affirmations that you can do. Mm -hmm. When you're working, you can say, hello, Root. I love you. I honor you. I respect you. I thank you. 
I love you. I honor you. And go through that as many times as you need to until it starts to react and contract and starts to kind of bubble a little bit. That's a good technique. If you're just kind of on the go, you just say it inside your head, you know, while you're working, this is the big four. These are the big four energy work techniques that I've developed over the years. The next is moving energy with the mind. What you're doing with this is actually you are uh, visualizing. Now, people have this, this thing where they think visualization only has to do with imagery. Well, that's not true. You can visualize the feeling you're having. So what you want to do is you want to visualize the energy center is moving. And then you'll start to feel that as you develop more and more. That's moving energy with the mind. You can do it with any technique. You can kind of freestyle it a little bit if you want to. Have the chakra spin. Males spin clockwise. Females spin counterclockwise. That's the rules. I didn't make them, so. <laughs> um, that kind of makes sense to me because males, generally speaking, in my experience, have an outward flowing energy and females have an inward flowing energy and the counterclockwise is more drawing in and the clockwise spin is more projecting outward. Sure. That makes sense. The next technique is awareness tech. Basically what it is, is you have to figure out how to feel your body. What I mean by that is you have to zone into certain areas the more you move energy manually, the easier it'll be to do this, uh, this awareness tech. It's basically singling out different areas of your body, just feeling them with your awareness. And you do that in repetition, just like any other technique. You do a set of, you know, 20 to 30, move to the next energy center, etc. In conjunction with the seven major chakras, there are also three energy trunks. The first energy trunk is at your navel. It, it holds and stores energy for the body. It's not a chakra. The second one is right at the sternum. That holds energy and, you know, you can screw around with that one, those ones too. And then the third one is at the brow. The brow is the area from your eyebrows up to your head. It'd be a lot easier to show you than kind of explain it, but those are, and then you got the, the exchange points are your feet that grounds you to the earth and then your hands. Those are the energy exchange points of the body. And then, you know, you got the latitudinal and longitudinal points of the body, like the Chinese acupuncture system, but the ones that I went over are the main ones. Right. And so those are super useful techniques. I really like how like simple and accessible they all are and how basically they just are all different ways of bringing awareness and therefore energy to those different centers is what it sounds like to me. And some like one technique might work really well for one person and another technique might work better for another person, but they're all these techniques you developed and shared are seem to me like they're all very like something you don't have to spend a lot of money doing something you don't need any equipment to do you don't need any special like workout room in your house or anything like that you just basically need a willingness and a curiosity to engage with your energy centers in in these ways that's the thing about energy work it's free yeah yeah oh 
but I like how you picked up. Yeah. I developed these four different techniques for that exact reason. It's like, Oh, what if someone doesn't know how to do this this way? What if somebody can do it that way? I wanted it to be accessible for everybody. So everybody has something that they can practice and work on. And who knows, you know, maybe with screwing around with the energy work that you're good with, you might develop something else. Cause it like, basically there's densities. There's all this different stuff that's going on around us. It's like, it's turn of a radio dial. The more you turn the dial, you might get something else. So basically the hierarchy is you want to produce warm and thin energy. When I talk about density, you want warm and thin. That's the ultimate goal because you want to get rid of that really thick energy and you want to get rid of that cold energy. That stuff's not good for you. It's not good for the body. So your goal should be to produce thin, meaning like extra sensory touch. It feels thin and then warm. That's higher energy. That'll get you. There's basically like seven different levels of the astral plane and you have access to certain levels based on how you vibrate. Totally. Basically, like if you practice the, this energy work, you're moving up in levels, you're moving up in levels and the more levels you have up, well, first you're going to get astral sight. You're going to get visions. That's all third eye stuff. The third eye center is for vision specifically. You close your eyes or you have your eyes open and you see maybe some geometry, maybe something about yourself, maybe imagery. But if you work on the brow center, that's for actual astral sight. That's to see spirits. That's to see what's in the astral plane, what the astral wildlife is doing. So there, I would encourage people to work on the third eye first because you want to get the visual stuff done down first. It's kind of hard to explain, but there's two separate screens. One screen is for the third eye. The other screen is for the opticals, which are a minor energy center around, around your eyebrows closest to your forehead. And you can see out of the third eye when you have your eyes closed or with your eyes open. And then when you start practicing the optical energy center, the opticals being those two little balls that are on the edge of your eyebrows closest to your forehead, that is how you see aura, that, are how, that is how you see spirits. And it's two different screens with your eyes closed. So it's all about depth perception. What's going on, what seems really close to you is third eye stuff. What's a little bit further away is optical stuff. So it's important to develop one before the other, or else you can have problems differentiate which site you're seeing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. And that's totally, totally fascinating. I did not know about those two optical centers and that they're different screens. I always just took for granted that what I see is just how I see it, but that's really exciting. And I'm super excited to practice your techniques to like improve. I, I already have really strong, clear vision, but I'm not somebody that sees things projected outside of my like in the world you know what I mean like I don't see spirits everything I see is on the screen within my mind's eye which is fine because it relays all the necessary information but it's it's a constant just a constant journey of unfolding and exploring what we're capable of so I'm I'm very interested in trying this but I have a question for you yeah shoot 
Do we like, so you said you recommend starting with the brow first. Nope. The third eye first and then the brow. Okay. The third eye first. I always kind of, well, not always <laughs> scratch that over the last year have sort of felt like we should start with the heart first because, and, and so I don't, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just interested to hear what you think about this. So I've been thinking about creating a course of like developing our different psychic gifts through all of these energy centers. And I kind of thought like, maybe I should start with the heart first, which is counterintuitive because it's not the root, it's not the crown, but it's the bridge point between the root and the crown. It's the bridge point between like the cosmos and the earth, you know, energy and intelligence. And also it's, it's a lot harder for the heart to be hijacked by our ego. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I kind of know what you're saying. Cause the side effects of practicing the heart is empathy. Yeah. You know, getting that sort of empath feel when you yeah. practice heart and high, you know, in high definition. But one thing I was going to say is uh, if you want to start seeing spirits, you got to learn how to look at the space in between. So I'm talking about, you have your computer right in front of you. You got to look at the space before your computer. You got to start right. looking. And not a lot of people ever do that because they're so used to the physical world where you just look at an object, look at an object, process, process. So it's important that you learn how to look in the space in between, especially when seeing spirits. Yeah, I totally understand exactly what you're saying. And that's super interesting. And I'm going to start practicing that more because a couple years ago, I sort of realized that I could see like when I would just stare out, you know, in front of me, like at nothing in particular, I realized that I can see the pixelation. And that's the best way I can describe it. It's not really pixelation, but you know, it's kind of like these tiny, the ways that my brain interprets the electrochemical information it's receiving through my, you know, physical eyes. And I realized like how much information there is that my eyes aren't interpreting how much information there is in that space in between, like you're talking about. Right. When I was first, when I first found the opticals, I wasn't very good. My left one was great, but my right one didn't work well. So I could only see aura over the left side of people's bodies and not the right side. <laughs> so interesting. So how do you develop those opticals? Like what are how did you Same the big four you got to practice the big four on the optical centers okay don't with all because if you overdo kind of the brow center it's controversial because you can you can develop like headaches and stuff like that yeah if you overdo it so just you know moderately practice it up to an extent that you feel comfortable with the law of energy work works like this where you think is where the energy flows. Yeah. If sensations grow too big, stop energy work immediately, go rest, go eat something, and then return to it later. So that's kind of what I want to put the disclaimer out for anybody that wants to practice energy work. Because it, it's good for you. It's great for you. But you don't want to overdo it. And you don't want to get overstimulated and have like an anxiety attack or like a panic attack, you know? 
Yeah, which I find is like common for a lot of people when they're doing this kind of work, because it obviously like as you expand your ability to perceive more information, especially information that's not what we consider physical, physically manifested, then it like necessarily causes you also like the side effect of deeply questioning your reality and then deeply questioning your sanity. And that's very stressful. And which I, I think is why like traditionally spiritual teachers and, and people who kind of like show the way to do these things are like, start with the root and the grounding exercises, because you can just get carried off almost like almost like you like hop into a hot air balloon and all of a sudden like whoa you're you're in the astral and you're like I don't even know who or what I am anymore or what is real and yeah that's really that's stressful for pretty much everyone I think so going back to your other question I started with the third eye that's what I I figured out how to move energy manually with the third eye so it all started visually that's how I got started. So I, I, the heart would be a good place to start. You know, everybody says you got to start with the root, open the root and the sacral and, you know, et cetera. But I think you can start where you want to start. I so think if, so too. If that heart is a good idea, then go for it. If you want to start with the third eye, go for it. Just make sure you're balancing the rest of your chakras and putting the time and attention that they need to. Because you want, you want to have a unity of, uh, energy through your body you know you don't want to not work on a certain energy center you want all of it to be healthy because it's a system you know right totally it, it is a system and like you don't want to say for example I mean I think the third eye has a lot of allure for people because we feel like if we can see things then I don't know I, I think we just put a lot of stock in vision I don't know why above the other senses, but that's just something I've observed. But if you only work on your third eye, for example, and you never work on your solar plexus, then you can walk around feeling like extremely like self-deprecating and, you know, not in your power, not allowed to be here and take up space. Or you, if you don't work on your sacral, you can walk around with a lot of gunk in there and like pain and trauma and stuff. And just sort of like, it creates, creates a lot of imbalance. Like I, ideally they're all flowing harmoniously with the energy circulating between all of them. Right. Absolutely. I want to talk about is what I call feedback. I don't like the side effects because we always tend to as something negative you know yeah so feedback is basically what's going to happen after you do this you're going to get really hungry when the more you do energy work and that's okay it's like working out a new muscle you know you get you're going to get really tired for a while before it starts to kind of you know work and get you hyped up you're going to have a lot of sexual urge sexual urges and then you're going to need to sleep a lot in the beginning, this is all side effects that happen or feedback that happens as a result of practicing energy. It just comes with the trade. It'll wear off after a while. If you've been practicing for a while, another thing I want to talk about is don't, I don't know what your audience is, but don't jerk off a whole lot. When you ejaculate, you get rid of a lot of the energy in your chakra system because you're giving off energy. 
So to do that in kind of a moderation is a good thing when you're practicing energy work because you don't want to have to start from scratch because you're jerking off all the time, you know? Right. Like, so basically you're just saying like not to deplete your chi through like manually stimulating your own orgasms. Would the same be true for like, if you're in a relationship, is it kind of the same thing? You know, from what I've experienced, sex, sex is a very spiritual thing. It's a lot. You're giving off energy from one to another person. You know, it's, it's a little different. You're still going to give off a lot of, a lot of energy, but it's, it's so much give and take with the energy. It's almost hypnotizing when you're, you know, with another person. Yeah. And I also think I'm just going to throw this out there, but I'm not an expert at all, but I think maybe that's the advice to basically not jerk off in excess and therefore leak your chi out when you're trying to develop these different chakra centers is that it might, that might be specific to men. I'm not sure. But again, because men have like literally, literally an outflow of chi energy when they ejaculate. Whereas females, our orgasms are much more like drawing inwards. So I don't know if it, I'm just putting it out there that if women are listening and they're like, I don't know, that doesn't make sense to me. That might be why. Sure. There's another technique. This is an elementary technique. It's not a part of the big four. It's breathing. Basically, what you can do is you can move your breathing into your feet, into your hands, into the chakras. When you inhale, you want to bring in. I know, and that sounds contrary to what all the other techniques do, but when you kind of want to breathe in, you want to breathe into the chakra, and then exhale, you want to breathe out of the chakra. You can do a combination tech. This is a little more advanced where you use awareness tech. So you're, you have the area, you're putting a priority on the area you want to work on. You're using affirmations at the same time. And then you're focusing on your breathing. You're doing the breathing tech. That's a little more advanced. It's a combination tech. You can do more than one technique at once, but I would recommend just sticking to one at a time as you start out. This is really, really cool, really useful information. And did you, well, do you have more that you want to share before I buried you with questions? You know, let's see. Uh, I want to talk about sound vibrations real quick. Sure. Sound vibrations have a positive and a negative energy based on what you say. Like love, honor, and respect. Those are really thin and really warm vibrations. When opposed to hate, all other negative kind of words have more of a sharp and thicker volume. So that's why the affirmations work is because you're using positive sound vibrations in order to keen your energy centers. There was this Asian uh, scientist that did this experiment on ice. He wrote the word ice. He wrote the word, I think, respect on ice. And they all made these wonderful sacred geometry crystalline structures on the molecular level, as opposed when he put hate and greed and all these other things on the ice, they had more jagged and they weren't, I mean, it it just shows how, how relevant sound vibrations are. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I know exactly who you're talking about and I'm looking it up right now. I will, 
I, I'm mixing up his name. I want to say Hashimoto, but that's actually a thyroid condition. <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly his name. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Keep going and I'll find it to make sure that it's in the uh, show notes so people can look it up if they haven't heard of it before, but it's absolutely incredible. And I would say like, if you don't really understand what Mike is talking about when he says thin and warm, other words potentially could be like light, soothing, you know, like feeling basically thin and warm to me translate translates as it feels good. It's, it doesn't weigh anything. It doesn't weigh your vibration down. It lifts it up and it's easy to move. Whereas like sharp, thick, heavy is like those low, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody who listens to this podcast has experienced depression at one point or another. And that is a, an energy that is thick and sludgy and it's hard to move and it makes you feel not good and it makes you feel weighed down. So I think like, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Pick whatever I want to use to try to describe it. Yeah. I'm extra because when you practice this stuff, you know, like I said, it's extra sensory touch and extra sensory perception. Those are the two big things that you're going to experience. So you're going to be walking around, you'll feel kind of thick energy, it's kind of muddy, or you'll feel really thin energy. That's extra sensory touch stuff. But uh, there's different levels to the astral plane. Basically, why we do this is we want to get to the best versions of ourselves that's possible. And by doing so, you have access to higher levels. When you have higher access, stuff wants to interact with you. It'll give you thoughts. It'll give you ideas. Like I kind of have this belief that if you have a perfect chakra system, all the wisdom of the world and the universe will just come to you. And when you practice, there's these spirits, you know, not always positive spirits that are like, oh, he's really doing this. I should pay attention to what he's doing. And then you got a buddy, you got a good follower that follows along and helps to heal you. Spirits can communicate with you through signs and symbols. For me, the good job or you're doing good is when I see 256. The numbers 256 are always good for me. It always know that I'm on the right track. If it's 257 or 255, it's try again. You're not making the most efficient decision. <laughs> I love that. And I love that you said that because that's also a question I get frequently. And I like that your number is unique to you because, you know, there's so much focus on angel number sequences, which I think are super magical. And when I was starting down this path of really trusting and developing my own psychic gifts and, and exploring the Akashic records, I would literally see, I'm not kidding. I wrote them all down. Like I have journal entries to prove it. I would see 10, 10, 11, 11, 12, 12, 1, 1, 1, 2, 2, 2, 3, 3, 3, 4, 4, 4, 5, 5, 5, 10, 10, 11, 11. And then I would go to bed. So, uh, (laughs) but I would see it like nonstop. And that was the universe communicating in a way that I couldn't shoot it down you know what I mean like it was so friggin' obvious but but that being said we put a lot of stock in angel number sequences but there are other repeating sequences that show up for a lot of people and some of mine are like combinations of ones and sevens just when they come around like repeating ones and sevens one seven one one seven 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 one one that kind of thing really 
it or yeah even 717 like they don't even have to be in exact like a row but they they're similarly resonant with me and I also like that the way that you interpret it because it's the, very similar to the way that I do it's kind of like good job wink wink like you're figuring it out <laughs> keep going or uh you're like you're kind of there but not quite you need to adjust it a little bit yep the other one the big one when I'm making major life changes is when I see a cardinal oh cool that's the big one like I'm deciding to get sober from drugs and alcohol I'll see like a cardinal and that'll be like, I know for sure that this is a big life change. It's not something minuscule like a 256. It's a cardinal. Right. That And and so how did you discover those? Like, did you just start connecting the dots? Yeah, I just kind of realized that when I was, I just kind of pointed the dots together. I kind of realized that when this stuff was happening to me, it was happening to me for a reason. And I know that it's just positive entities. You call it guides, you can call it spirits, but something is communicating with me to put me on the right track. And it took a little while to kind of figure it out. But once I got it, it started to flood and flood and flood. And now I just can't deny it. Yeah, that's, I really resonate with that. It was very similar for me, just noticing, because again, a lot of people want to know like how, like you know, the big question is how, and I'm like, it's not even hard. It's just, it's just all the ways that we dismiss all the signs we're already getting, all the assistance we're already getting that makes it seem hard, but it's, it, it really is just sort of being observant and then validating those, those little signs, those nudges, whatever the, like, just basically letting our path lead us. But, but then when I say that it sounds easy, I don't know about for you, but I mean, it took me a friggin' long time to get behind all that. And we're not, we're really not taught to do that, but some of us have this like just innate understanding, which it sounds like maybe you are one of those people that has this innate understanding that like these things are happening for a reason and to just pay attention. Right. You got to pay attention to the signs or else how do you know if you're doing the right thing? Yeah. Or not even the right thing, but the best thing that you could do in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like there's, it's not so much a right and wrong. It's like just maximizing the the potential of yep. the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's kind of what I wanted to go over. I could go for some of your questions now. Cool. Okay. So one question that I have is if somebody decides to start implementing your techniques and they're like kind of new along the spiritual development path, do you have any recommendations for how they can do it in a way that is safe so that if they do start, like say, for example, if they focus on their third eye and they start activating it and seeing internal visions, and then they shift to the brow work, what can they do to know that they are, you know, when they're seeing spirits that they're safe or they've protected themselves or whatever, because definitely in my experience, I'm really lucky and I only seem to attract positive spirits, but that wasn't always true for me. And I also have been in contact with a lot of people that are being bothered by various levels of pesky to, you know, abusive non-physical entities 
Yeah, yeah, you got to watch out for the astral wildlife. It does what it likes to do. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time when you put practice in, you're going to get good results. You're going to get good spirits that follow you. But there's also going to be some bad ones that hang around. The best thing you can do is kind of take breaks, uh, meditate, do whatever you need to do to stay in the moment, eat some good food, you know, stuff that's good for you. I, I'm not very good at spiritual self-defense. I'm not going to lie. I still struggle with it because I, I haven't found a lot of what works besides practicing more. But it, if it's something that's really, oh, I know something that helps, essential oils. If you feel like um, an energy is attached, so let's just, for example, say the left side of your head at your crown. You can get some ascension, essential oils like frankincense or white angelica. Mm -hmm and rub it there. And most of the time, the spirit will just fly away because based on the sensation. I had a bad spirit one time when I was in the beginning because I kind of let it in. I was so fascinated with the results I was getting in such a quick rate that I was like, oh yeah, let's let everything in. But I didn't realize that it was had bad intentions. So I went to my friend because this thing stuck around for like a day. And he said, you got, I mean, you can't be in the house. You can't bring that into our house. Another guy put his uh, our hands on my shoulders and he started freaking out because of this entity because he could feel it too. So we called my friend's mom, who's a psychic. And she said, yeah, this is a hermaphrodite spirit that's following you around because you've been doing a lot of energy work. And I didn't tell her any of that. Mm -hmm. I just tried to follow her and she, you know, intuited all the information. And she said, what you need to do is you need to get some white Angelica essential oils and then put that on the, where it's attached to. So we went to my house, put the essential oil on, and then it just went <laughs> like it made, and then it was just gone. Yeah. So I, I think essential oils, oils are a good way that you can protect yourself. You know, getting grounded, grounding techniques are good. Eating, praying, whatever religion you have, it's always good to talk to your higher power. But those are some ways that I found out that really helped with possessions. Okay, that's, that's very helpful. And I really, really appreciate that you shared that it, it, was allowed in because we always have to allow them, but it's all, it's often subtle, right? It's like, it's not like they're like, excuse me, I'd like to come fuck with your life. Can I, is that all right? And we're like, oh yeah, sure. Of course. Like it's very, very subtle allowance. And it's more just like an energetic permission to continue being there or can, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. really subtle, but what I really appreciate is where you mentioned that it was because you were so fascinated by the results that you were getting and that you just didn't necessarily have the discernment at, at that point in your practice. And so I'll just caution people that for sure, that like, that's also what I've found is one thing I, I add is uh, the, the root chakra, it's red, stay yeah. away from energy stay away from red entities. Red entities are at a lower vibrational frequency of the astral plane. Not always, but most of the time they're heinous. Mm. So 
when you're looking at, when you see entities and stuff, if it's red, just kind of go about your business. Don't draw attention to yourself. Okay. That's, that's very interesting. I've also heard the same thing about entities with red eyes. Yep. Red eyes too. That's, that's bad or not always, but most of the time it's bad. Mm-hmm. I always think of like the red frequency of the root chakra as being similar to like garnets or rubies or like mook jasper or something where it's like, it's red, but it's this really beautiful healing. I don't know, comfortable frequency, which also I think probably the way that the essential oils work, I love frankincense personally for that exact reason is that like the vibrational signature of that plant, which is carried in the oil is it's like, it makes you slippery. Like they can't attach. It's like a, it like dissolves the glue that they're using or the adhesive that they're using to stick to you. And I think crystals probably have a similar, if anybody's drawn to crystals, like I don't want to make anybody feel like you have to have these things in order to be protected because ultimately, in my opinion, it's all about your own vibrational frequency and how you feel about yourself. And when you feel positively about yourself, like you love yourself and value yourself and you have strong boundaries and like you wouldn't let somebody fuck with you in real life and treat you like crap, then that's going to translate to the spiritual realm as well. And it just means that you're more rooted in your power and your sovereignty, and you're just not energetically available to engage with entities that have either trickster energy and, you know, don't necessarily have malevolence to them, but will mess with you if given the opportunity or entities that have, you know, negative negative motivations let's say I got or a defense against the dark arts kind of teaching it's white sage yeah native that all the time in their rituals white sage is really good there's actually some white sage tech what you want to do is you want to hold on to the sage and you want to move your awareness into the sage as you light it that kind of powers it up so you move your awareness outside of your body, which you can do that because you can't, you can, you can have awareness inside and outside. As you gain extra sensory touch, you'll feel what's around you without just limits of your body. But if you want to, you can charge the sage with your own energy. But sage is also a good tool to use when warding away dark spirits. That, that is really, really cool. I use white sage frequently, but I did not, it hadn't even occurred to me to move my awareness into the sage itself while I'm lighting it and just like connecting, basically like connecting in with the frequency that it holds. Yeah, exactly. So cool. I'm definitely going to be trying that tomorrow. Another question that I have for you is I just find it so interesting that you have developed these techniques that you're so generously sharing with all of us and like did you so did you study at like with anybody or did you just kind of like get super activated when you first heard I can't even remember the the man's name that you were talking about on what's his name Robert Bruce Robert Bruce. Yeah. Did you just get really activated when you heard him and it just sent you down the path of like self-study? 
Yep. It was all self-study. All this I came up with from scratch. My idea was I wanted to figure out spirituality my own way. I didn't want to study everybody else's techniques because that would put a hindrance on what I could learn by deep diving myself so I could get the most optimal results based on actually putting in the work instead of just practicing what's been regurgitated. That's amazing. I, I absolutely love that. I love it, love it, love it. And I was just talking in my Facebook group today about how, about exactly that, basically just being like, nobody, nobody, nobody owns this information. And we all have different ways of understanding it and we all have access to it. And there's a point where it's really valuable to listen to somebody else or read their work or take their courses. And, and yeah, you just get a lot of downloads and clarity and activations yourself, but there's also a point where you just have to like defer to your own, your own interpretation and your own, like understanding your own direct connection, basically. Right. Plus like studying someone else's work, you would be limited to based on what the material is. You wouldn't have a lot of things that are really personal because you, you're practicing someone else's work. It's like you do this and this happens. You do this and this happens. But what about all the random stuff you want to screw around with and try to figure out, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. And by the way, I found, I found the guy's name for the water, frozen water molecular crystal experiment. It's Dr. Masaru or Masaru Emoto. So, Emoto. Yes. And I will put it in the show notes, everyone, or I will have my awesome podcast editor put it in the show notes. And so, oh man, I just feel like there's so much interesting stuff. Like you're a wellspring of fascinating information I guess the last question I'll ask you I'll probably have to have you on again because you you have you have really put the work in yourself and you've just done and discovered and explored so much and it's fascinating to me I'm curious which chakra is was the most challenging for you or if there's one that continues to be the most challenging which one it is and and why you think that is the root yeah it's always been the root. Me and the root, we go way back. We do. It's been around my whole life. But getting into practicing the root, it's uh, it's it's hard. It's hard to really get grounded. It's hard to, to see a lot of results from the root for me. Out of all the chakras, the rest of them kind of came easy as I practiced. But I really had to work hard on the root. And do you feel like it's it's like based in trauma, like whether it's personal or just collective, like we have a ton of collective root trauma that we get constantly manipulated through. But do you feel like that's it? Like there's resistance. I know for a lot of people, there is, there's resistance to inhabiting the root because it's associated with survival and therefore death and pain and suffering and all those really visceral experiences. There's uh, probably a lot of karma that I've accumulated over my lifetimes. Mm. I think that I'm here again to try to let all that. I mean, because that's why we incarnate. We, we reincarnate so we can live the same things that we didn't finish in the previous life. Mm-hmm. So I, there's a lot that's still in my root that I got to work through. But it's hard. Like, that's why we practice energy work is we can move all that stuff out, you know? Yeah. Because 
more it gets there, it kind of constricts energy and then it constricts more and then it, you know, you got a really thick, uncomfortable energy. So when you practice the energy centers, you can move all that stuff out and kind of digest it, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you move it out of the energy center, does it then like, does it completely leave your field? I suppose it depends on what the energy is, right? And the story around it is what the specific trauma is or the disturbance. But so I imagine some of them are just ready to be released. And so you kind of push them out and there they go. And other ones are like, well, okay, fine. I'm out of the route, but you still have to look at me and yep. <laughs> sort through everything. <laughs> Remanifest in if you relive it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. It's, it's, but you know, it's, that's why we do it. Oh, yeah. one, oh, can I touch on a last thing? Of course. One thing you want to work on eventually is Kundalini. Kundalini is a very sacred energy that's at your tailbone and it moves up your back all the way up to your crown. We move energy to manipulate Kundalini. Kundalini is very hard to deal with. You got to do your best to keep your mind blank when Kundalini activates because you don't want it to move back down. You want it to move all the way up your spinal cord into the back of your head. Uh, it's pretty much like an upgrade. It'll upgrade all your energy centers. It'll upgrade all the latitudal and longitudinal points of your body. Kundalini is one of the most important and sacral energies that your body can produce. That's really cool. Have you experienced a Kundalini activation? Yep. Six or seven times. One time in a Walmart parking lot. It was bad. <laughs> you're like perfect perfect timing I think that's how like most women feel at some point with their period but it's not the same you don't you don't get like a big big upgrade you're more just like wow this is really convenient (laughs) great (laughs) that's super interesting to me I'm still trying to sort out if I've ever experienced one but I think maybe like in in my 20s I did but I'm not sure it's hard to say because for me it was not that I didn't feel it in the way that a lot of people describe it, but I felt like a complete awakening where I felt so cracked open that I almost couldn't find words. It was a little bit like if I were to open my mouth and try to share what I was experiencing, it would just come out like a scream. (laughs) And sometimes I wonder if that was, and it was very hard to deal with, if that was a Kundalini activation or if it was just basically like massive crown downloads. I don't know. I don't remember what direction it was moving. So it was a long time ago, but I'm definitely interested in learning more and I'm for sure going to apply the techniques. So I just want to reiterate that. So the, you said that the root chakra moves on a vertical axis and it moves downward. So when you're doing the uh, manual like contractions where you described it, like kind of blowing a bubble against your perineum, like pushing it out, you're pushing it out and down. Yep. Exactly. The sacral, the solar plexus, the heart, the throat, and the third eye are all on a horizontal plane. And so when you're pushing out, you're pushing like forward out of your body. Yep, exactly. Okay. And the crown is vertical again, but when you're pushing out, you're pushing upwards. Yep, exactly. Okay. 
Cool. And there, there's the trunks too. You can work on the trunks if you want to. And how do you work on the trunks? Same thing. Same thing? Yeah, they all go forward. Okay. So the trunks, they're just more like stabilizing, like stabilizing center, energy centers or what? Yeah, they just hold energy. That's kind of what they're there for. They hold extra energy. So you can work. I don't know exactly what they do, but I know they're there and I've been practicing them. But I know that they hold a lot of energy and they're not rotating like your energy centers, like your main chakras are. But they're so important to practice. I know that. Go ahead. Sorry. Taoist culture. They don't teach the seven chakra centers. They treat, they teach the three trunks. Interesting. So are they more like reservoirs or repositories of energy? Yeah, something like that. That's why I just call them the trunks because trunks where you put stuff in. (laughs) Okay, gotcha. I was thinking tree trunk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's a trunk. It's just like, it's like a cache, a cache of energy. Okay, cool. Oh, this is so fascinating. And Mike, where can people find you? If you want people to find you, you don't have to. You don't have to be about that. No, it's cool. Follow me on Twitter at michaelaho.com or Michael A is my Twitter tag. I'm on Instagram too, but I don't know what my profile is. So it's better to contact me on Twitter. I have my DM messages open so you can send me messages if you have questions or if you want to set up a session, I do do spiritual consulting. Uh, That sounds amazing. It sounds like you have a lot of beneficial consultation to offer. So, okay, that will be in the show notes. So at Michael Aho, Aho is spelled A-H-O. Yeah, okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and generously sharing with us the techniques that you've developed and some of the experiences that you've had through using these techniques. I feel completely like completely educated myself. So I'm sure my listeners will also feel like, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much, Mike. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Amy. And thank you everybody for your attention and listening to this episode. I appreciate you so very, very much. Don't forget to take a screenshot of yourself listening to this episode if you loved it and tag me on Instagram or Facebook you know, share the love a little bit, but either way, it doesn't matter. Really. I'm just glad that you're here. I hope that you're benefiting from these episodes and I hope you have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. And I'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for being here with me on this episode. I appreciate you more than my words could ever say. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share, and I will catch you on the next episode.